Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Well, good evening. Good to, to see everyone this evening after quite a long hiatus. Our evening uh, services have returned and we're going to be starting with a series uh, entitled The One Another Commands. So uh, in the New Testament there are uh, 59 One Another Commands. Many of them are repeated, so I think the command to love one another is, is something like 13 times. Uh, but you, you can see the importance of these commands, and they really give us a wonderful picture of what it means to be a Christian in community. And that is what God calls us to Uh, We are called to live in community, to display love and care for one another. We are called to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another, to love one another. Uh, And as we do that, as we live that out, uh, the Lord Jesus makes this promise in in John's Gospel that as we do this, uh, others will know that Jesus Christ is Lord by the love they see we have for one another. And so Francis Schaeffer said that's the ultimate apologetic, that's the ultimate display of the truth of the gospel, is the way that we love and care for one another. Uh, And so really this militates against an idea of just pitching up to church, hearing a sermon and then disappearing, which is is, uh, pleasing to the flesh. People don't want accountability, especially in this day and age. Uh, We are very individualistic, very private. Uh, we might say, well, I like good preaching, but I'll just watch it on YouTube, or I'll just, you know, I just listen to my preacher. Or maybe I'll even go to church and pitch up every now and then, but don't get involved in my life. And we're going to see uh, what God actually calls us to, to be in one another's lives. The title for the sermon is Nosy Christians. Uh, so we are to be in one, another, in, in one another's lives. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm just going to read four verses, and the, the verse that we're going to focus on is verse 4. So Philippians 2, uh, from verse 1, so, uh, Paul says this to the Philippian church, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And then verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
so just some background to the church at Philippi. It was a church that Paul planted. And uh, interestingly, it's the first church planted in Europe. Uh, Paul had wanted, in Acts 15, he had wanted to go east, but there was the Macedonian Paul to, he has this vision, this dream of this Macedonian man calling him over to Macedonia, and he goes west, and he crosses over into Europe from Asia Minor, or, or what we call Turkey, into Europe, and he plants a church in Macedonia, this area, this province of Macedonia, where Philippi, the city, is. And it's a, a church that Paul loves dearly. In fact, this letter is, is Paul's most positive letter. He speaks so highly of the church at Philippi. We recently went through 2 Corinthians, and you'll remember that when Paul is challenging the Corinthians to generous giving, he uses the example of the Macedonian saints. Uh, and that would have been these Philippian believers. They gave generously. And so it's hard to find any fault with the Philippian church. Uh, there is no issues, you know, no clear immorality that he deals with. Remember the Corinthian church, there was clear immorality. There were lots of problems. People were getting drunk at communion. There was sexual immorality that was condoned. There was uh, fighting. Uh, there were false teachers who came in. There's no heresy that Paul has to deal with as he writes the Philippians. It's not like the Galatian church where they were drifting from the gospel. But one of the major themes in Paul's letter to the Philippians is this idea of not being selfish, of looking out for one another. Uh, there was a clash between two godly ladies in the church in chapter 4, Euodia and Syntyche. And uh, they were godly ladies, but they were, they were clashing with one another. And Paul says, tell them to agree in the Lord. So if anything, as we read through this epistle, and we're reading between the lines, why does Paul keep on these themes? It's not overt, but Paul senses and he sees there's, there's some concerning things here. And he has to call the Philippians to care for one another more deeply. He has to tell them to be on the lookout for, for division. He has to show them the example of Christ, of humbling themselves. And it is my experience, and maybe some of you older, maybe you've been in various churches, it is my experience that in churches that are very orthodox in theology, there's no issue when it comes to heresy. Uh, they, they, they're one, in fact, they're serious about orthodoxy. They take doctrine seriously, as we all should. They don't just say, oh, it doesn't really matter as long as we love each other. No, they say the scriptures are, are given to us. God has taught us certain things. There are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. They wrestle with these things. They see, seek to be faithful to God's word. There are also churches that deal with immorality. Uh, they, they, they don't allow immorality just to, to carry on. But one of the dangers as these churches grow or get older is uh, I, I see this this, this lack of real deep love and concern for, for one another. They become petty. They argue and fight over silly things, the color of the carpets and uh, what color the paint should be, all kinds of things. And they begin to fight in each one, one another's lives. They might even be generous financially. The Macedonians were generous. 
And so it's a challenge to, to us. Uh, every church has its own issues, but every church must be seeking to grow in holiness in every way. Never to rest upon its laurels. Uh, never to think, oh, well, we've arrived or we've got it together. No, uh, there is always the temptation to sin. Uh, and we want to build an ethos, a culture of living out the one and other commands in, in this church. Being in each other's lives, caring for each other, loving each other. And so the verse we're looking at, verse 4, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now the interesting thing here in the Greek is that the word interest is not, is not there. Okay? Uh, it's not there when it says his own interests or the interests of others. Uh, it's really let each look to his own and also to others or to the of others. Okay. And so interest is a fuller. You could say the things of others, the things of yourself and the things of others. And so what that means is um, some commentaries say, well, it's to look and see the good in others, to look out for, to see the, 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 the way people are like Jesus Christ. And certainly we are called to do that. But that doesn't fit with the rest of the chapter because the rest of the chapter talks about Christ coming from heaven, humbling himself to come and die for us. It says, let this mind be in, that was in Christ be in you also. And so the example of Christ is used. And I can tell you right now, Jesus Christ didn't come to earth because he saw good in you. He didn't go, oh, these people are so amazing, I think I'll come and die for them. The Bible says the exact opposite. Uh, that by nature we hate God. By nature we are children of wrath. And so that doesn't fit with the context. Uh, the interests or the things that we have to look out for in one another is, is, is what is what is best for that person? I want what is best for my brothers and sisters. And it covers every sphere. Paul leaves it intentionally vague. He doesn't say the specific thing. Uh, one pastor says it this way. Let each of you look not only to your own financial affairs, or your own property, or your own family, or your own health, or your own reputation, or your, or your own education, or your own success, or your own happiness... Don't just think about that. Don't just have desires about that. Don't just strategize about that. Don't just work toward that. But look to the financial affairs and property and family and health and reputation and education and success and happiness of others. Now that's radical. Maybe some of you are squirming. I don't want people being nosy. Uh, I don't want people asking me those questions. I don't want people showing interest in those areas in my life. I want to fly under the radar, but that's not the Christian community. We are to be a family where we are not nosy in an ungodly sense, where we're seeking for dirt, looking for dirt on people so we can slander and gossip. No, but we have a deep concern for one another. How are you doing? When we ask one another that question, it must not just be superficial. We want to know how are you doing. If you're, if you're sick, if you're battling, if there are struggles, because... The command here is that we are concerned with every area of each other's lives. If we want flourishing in every person's life, in every area. And isn't it true that's how relationships are built, is by getting to know each other. Where are you? What's going on in your life? What are you struggling with? 
What difficulties do you have? Caring for one another, asking each other these questions, seeking how each, each person is doing. Not just caring for our own interests, that comes automatically. This really is an outworking of, remember what Jesus said, love others as you love yourself. We automatically care for our own interests. Start to care about the interests of your brothers and sisters. Build deeper relationships. And so as I said to you earlier, maybe for some of you that's really hard to open up, to be vulnerable. But we are called to that. Just as we're called to that in marriage and every deep relationship will require that. So it is if we want to build and deep relationships, strong relationships, biblical relationships, uh, then we are to, to do that. And so the command here is, is so broad. Not just your own life, your own hobbies, your own interests, your own well-being, but also the well-being of others, the hobbies and interests of others, how others are doing in every sphere of their life. Paul then goes on in this, this letter to give us examples of, of this in action. In this very chapter, actually, in chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles open, you can jump down to verse 17. Paul himself was an example of this, wasn't he? Uh, Paul was no... Uh, before I was in vocational ministry, uh, and I was in a previous denomination years and years and years ago, um, they used me as what they called an itinerant preacher. Okay? Uh, what, what I refer to as a hit-and-run preacher. Okay? <laughs> um, because I would get invited to a church that wasn't my church, and I would go there, and I could really preach anything, and it wouldn't really matter what I said, because I don't have to pick up the pieces afterwards. Uh, I, I'm going elsewhere. Okay? So, uh, you can be very, very, you know, for the truth, but very thoughtless and very harmful, and not really, because you don't know the congregation. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. You haven't walked a road with people. But you see, Paul was not like that. When he went into an area, remember what he tells the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, door to door, he was in the lives of the community. Even though he was often for only a short period of time in a, in a specific area, that time he spent, he got to know the people. And so Paul says in verse 17, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, the Philippians' faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul poured out his life. In fact, he's writing from prison. He's writing from prison, and yet Philippians is full of joy, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, he's suffering so much for his, his service to the Lord and service to the church. But he was willing to pour out his life for the good of the Philippians. He didn't live for his own interests, but for, for their well-being, for their flourishing. And then he gives the example of Timothy. Look at verse 19. Paul says this to them. He says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. See that? 
And then he says this, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And so he says, Paul, Paul displays that he's an example of living for others, for their flourishing. And now he says, Timothy, I want to send Timothy to you because, why? Because I have no one else like mine. It's quite a startling statement, huh? Uh, a very sad statement, actually, out of all the people that he worked with in ministry. He says, there's no one else like Timothy. What's special about Timothy is that Timothy is genuine. He will genu- genuinely care about your interests. He has genuine concern about the Philippians and their lives. A holistic understanding of their lives. Of course, the primary thing is we want to see everyone saved. Of course. Uh, But a Christianity that simply ends there and has no concern for the physical well-being of people is a substandard Christianity. It's a a platonic Christianity that emphasizes the spiritual and has no place for the physical. It has no concern for whether people are hungry or tired or thirsty or naked. That's not the Christianity of the Bible. The Christianity of the Bible is holistic. We want to see people saved and flourishing. And so Timothy had that. He cares about your interests. He says all seek their own interests. They're just concerned about themselves, not those of Jesus Christ. And notice how he does that. He, he, can, he can use his parallelism. He can say that if you're concerned for the things of Jesus Christ, you'll be concerned for the things of God's people. Timothy has concern and care for the interests of the Philippians, which is the same as saying that he has concern for the things of Jesus Christ. And that makes sense, because what is the church? It is the body of Christ. We'll see in Acts, in Paul's testimony, we heard some of it this morning, but uh, when the Lord confronts him, he says to Paul, Paul, why are, are, are you persecuting me? say, well, Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus. Jesus had already ascended into heaven. He was persecuting the church. But you see, the church is the body of Christ. You persecute the church, you persecute Christ. You do good to the the people of God. You show interest to the people of God. You care about them holistically and their well-being and their flourishing in every sphere of life. Means you show love to Christ. You cannot say, I love Christ, but I don't love people. Uh, it's not possible. It means you don't love the Lord. And you cannot say, no, I love people, I just don't love the Lord. It's also not possible. Uh, we are to love the Lord and love God's people, to love Christ and love His body, the, the church. And so Timothy here is an example. He didn't live for himself. He lived for, for the good of the Philippians. And then finally, the greatest of all examples, the best for last, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. A great example. Look at verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. So after verse 4, after he says, don't just worry about your own interests, but, but care for the interests and the things of others, of the people of God. He then says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's saying this is how God's people are to think. 
And in fact, if you're a Christian, you already have this mind. You already have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. You should already be thinking this way to some degree. And what, what, uh, what mind is this? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so we don't have time to go into this whole passage theologically. Uh, but simply to say this, what the scripture is telling us, Jesus Christ is God... He wasn't grasping or trying to be God. He was fully God. But what he does is he makes himself nothing. Look at verse 7. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And so he humbles himself. He comes down and this is the incarnation. He adds flesh to himself. He becomes a human being, flesh and blood, like us, tempted in every point as we are. He knew weakness as we know it. He got hungry, he got tired, but yet without sin. But he didn't just humble himself to become a human being, but still being an emperor or something like that in Rome. But he humbles himself to, to being a servant, serving others. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so there's this, this almost the staircase of descent in the humiliation of, of Christ. Humbling himself to becoming a man. Humbling himself to become a servant. Humbling himself to death. But not just any death. Humbling himself to the most shameful death. Death on a cross. A death where he was stripped naked, where the Old Testament says, cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. And so this, this constant abasement and humiliation. Why did he do that? It's because he showed interest in us. It's because he had mercy upon us. Because he loved us. When, um, I mean, these are silly analogies, but maybe they help us a little bit. Um, I think I told you a while ago that research has shown the number one idol in, in American churches and amongst American Christians is comfort. Okay? You just want to be comfortable. And I, when I read that, I was really convicted. I know that. I know. <laughs> I just want my life to run smoothly. I just want to know comfort. And so when you get a phone call or a message at a, at a horrible hour or when, uh, you know, things are, I'm just chilling here, it's, it's been a long day, I'm relaxing, and then there's a, an issue, there's something that needs to be dealt with, there's something pastoral. Uh, within my flesh there is, ah, <laughs> man, I want to care more about my own interests than the interests of others. That's the natural thing that arises. And so I've often tried to imagine for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he's not just sitting on a patio somewhere having a nice time. And he's in, in indescribable joy and pleasure, fellowshipping with the Father the Son, and the Spirit. Infinite glory and majesty and pleasure to leave all of that. 
in his experience to come and enter into our suffering and dirt and ugliness. It's not just a, a, a phone call that's at an awkward time. It is, it is a, he is not considering his own interests. He's entering into all of this for our, for our sake. He is interested in us. And he comes and suffers this uh, shameful life of rejection and mockery, humiliation, and then this even more uh, shameful death. Not simply so that we, we, we can be saved from spiritually. Very important. It's not just simply so we can, we've got a ticket out of hell. Okay? That's to reduce Christianity. The Bible would be a lot shorter if that's all there were to it. Do you think the Lord Jesus is not concerned with your well-being in every sphere of life? While you were an enemy, he, he died for you. How much more now will He not freely give you all things? If He knows the number of hairs on your head, I mean, why would He have... What, what is important about that? It shows that He's concerned about the minutia of our lives. He's interested in, every, in the things of our lives. And if you come from a background like mine sort of a pseudo-hyper-spiritual background, then maybe you feel you know, awkward praying for silly things. No. The Lord, the Lord Jesus is concerned about every area of your life. Isn't that what a true friend is? A true friend is concerned about every area of your life. It's not a true friend who says, I don't care about that area of your life. Don't talk to me about that. It's not spiritual. I don't care that you like that team. I don't care that you're interested in those cars. I don't care about that stuff. That's not... That's superficial. No, a true friend cares about every sphere of a person's life and infinitely more the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you don't know Christ, uh, there is no greater story than this. Uh, God humbling himself, laying down his life, suffering because he's concerned about his people. Every aspect of our lives. Our salvation is holistic. If you're not a Christian, cry out to Him to have mercy upon you. If you are a Christian, rejoice in that. Praise Him for that. That He is, Lord, you are concerned about every sphere of my life. Tomorrow morning when I go to work, the traffic, you're concerned about that. My sleep, you're concerned about that. The job that I have, the people that I work with, every relationship of mine, every interest of mine, you are deeply concerned with it. And as we see Christ and as He works in us by His Spirit, we are to display that to one another. To care for one another in every area of life. May the Lord help us. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Oh Father, we thank You for these one another commands. They are so rich. And when we put them all together... It just creates a stunning tapestry of what the church is supposed to be. And Father, we do pray that you would help us. We pray that you would help us in this one command to, to really care about the interests of others, to seek the flourishing in every sense uh, of our brothers and sisters. Uh, we do pray that you would um, work in us as a community, work in us as individuals to do this. We thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your love, that you are interested and concerned in every facet of our lives. 
We ask that you would continue to be with us and um, help us as we head out into a new week. In Jesus' name, amen.